0: This is the Cork Today replay on C103. This is Cork Today. Cork Today with Patricia Messenger on C103. Cork's great.
2: A very good Tuesday morning to you as we welcome you along to the program with John Paul taking your calls at oh eight one eight one zero three one zero three texts and WhatsApps are available at oh eight six two one zero three one zero three and let me start by sending uh, my deepest deepest condolences to the family of the former councillor Noel Collins who has sadly uh, passed away and indeed my condolences to all of his colleagues at Cork County Council. Uh, Noel was a native of Lusk in County Dublin, but he was as much a Corkman as he was a, a dub. And I mean, it was just looking at Noel Collins's record within Cork County Council. He topped every poll since 1967. He was first elected uh, to Middleton Town Council. And then it was back in 2017. He celebrated 50 years of unbroken service as a public uh, representative within uh, Cork County Council, which is an absolutely incredible achievement. So in total, 55 years of service to the community in Middleton and in uh, East Cork. Noel Collins was a different type of councillor in that he didn't drive a car, he didn't use a phone, he didn't have a computer, but as the mayor said in her tribute to him this morning, it never Uh, stopped him. He used the old-fashioned typewriter and written letter to communicate. And he did it with such great effort within the hearts and minds of those he met, according to Mayor Gillian uh, Cockham. So as I say, we pass on our deepest, deepest sympathies to Noel's family, but as well to all of his colleagues who I imagine are very, very saddened within County Council today. May he rest in peace. And today is also a very special day here in Cork because it was on this day, The 14th of June, it was also a Tuesday back in 1892 that a brand new newspaper hit the streets of Cork. That new newspaper being at the time the Cork Evening Echo and uh, there is a gorgeous supplement within the Echo today marking the 130th anniversary since the publication of the first ever Evening Echo and I'm reading a wonderful piece by John Dolan who is just such a gifted uh, journalist and he writes today that uh, 51 years after launching the Cork Examiner the Crosby family decided to introduce an evening newspaper and they decided to bring the very latest news of the to the Victorian streets of Cork City and County, 133 years later, and around 130,000 editions. Uh, the Echo, the evening bit, of course, was dropped when it became a morning paper in 2019, is still going strong. The first editions in, in 1892 reported on the imminent UK general election that was due to be held in July. The Irish Parliamentary Party had just suffered a devastating split, and that was caused by by news of Charles Stuart Parnell's scandalous relationship with the married Catherine O'Shea. And at the time that the Echo launched on this day 130 years ago, Cork were reigning All-Ireland Hurling champions. They had beaten Dublin in the final the previous March. Cork were represented then by a club side, Redmonds. They were leading 2-3 to 1-5 when the Dublin side left the field in protest at a disputed goal... (laughs) It was the Rebel County's second All-Ireland title and it was also the start of a three in a row for them 130 years ago and of course 1892 free primary schooling and compulsory education up to the age of 14 was introduced that was via the Irish Education Act It was also the year when Liverpool Football Club was founded and the first Sherlock Holmes story was published by one Arthur Conan uh, Doyle Uh, That's just some of what is contained in this gorgeous 24 page supplement to mark the 130th anniversary of the Echo and I am taking that home and looking forward to browsing through it later on so congratulations and well done to everybody involved in the Echo newspaper Now John Paul taking your calls at 0818 103 103 and we've already been contacted this morning by a parent of a student doing their junior search we know we're into the um, first sort of full week of the leaving search and the junior search, and we were talking last Wednesday with the first paper. It was great to get the first paper underway, and the students now are kind of in- into their the routine, and they're just sort of counting down to when they get to their last paper. So, Kathy in West Cork contacted us because her fifteen-year-old is in the middle of his junior certificate. And guess what? At the weekend, he tested positive on Saturday for COVID. So what did Kathy do? Should I informed the school morning, confident that he could complete his exams at the end of the month? I was told there is no process in place for junior cert students to complete their exams later in the summer. There's only a process in place for the leaving certificate. I then spoke to the education department and also to the exams commission, and they confirmed the same. Three years of second level schooling and months of lockdown plus a complete new junior search system and it ends like this. I'm angry, I'm upset and I'm irate and I wonder how many others are in the same position this week because we followed guidelines and we acted with integrity and the exam commission woman that I spoke with on the phone had the nerve to tell me that there are bound to be COVID positive symptom free students sitting both leaving cert and junior cert who just kept quiet and said nothing. Never before have I felt victimised and punished for having the honesty and the decency in informing the school and for doing the right thing. I do wonder why there aren't deferred exams for junior cert students suffering from COVID. It's not like the government have been sideswiped by this issue. Why wasn't their provisions put in place? And schools and departments are taking the word of parents on COVID testing. How do I even prove my child is COVID? How do I get the authorities, the HSE, to verify the these antigen tests and make it official I can't take them to the doctor and is there even a drive-in PCR test centre anymore the junior cert may not be important in the grand scheme of things but all these kids have been hearing about for the past three years is to complete with the new format this year and it's been all about the junior cert for the last three years for the students I don't have any issue with the school my son is attending as they've been very good throughout all of this, but you can really sense Cathy's upset and frustration and anger at what is happening with her son. Now, I did mention before the Leaving Cert and Junior Cert started that there was a system in place because they are predicting that there will be a number of Leaving Cert students who will become ill during while this leaving search is on and many of them will, not many, but some will come down with COVID. So they do have this system in place. It's in July. They have the dates actually set for when the second leaving cert will take place. Now it's not just for COVID for people who will get COVID. It's also for people who have bereavement or you know, some other kind of a medical emergency that will happen while the exams are on. And that's always been in place. There's always been a second sitting of the leave, leaving search. They don't know this year though because of COVID they're predicting that there will be more students need to sit a second leaving cert so it's one of the reasons why we were talking about it because they don't know how many are going to have to sit that second leaving cert and how many papers then will have to be corrected and the knock-on effect then is they're going to have to wait for all of those papers to be corrected before that they can officially release the results and then of course the CSO will start issuing first round offers and universities are tearing their hair out saying we need to have some kind of date on when the leaving cert is out so that we can start timetabling Etc. And I remember at the time when I was talking about the dates, the date in July uh, for when the leaving search, the resets of the leaving search, it did state at that stage that there will be no resit for the junior search. And as far as I could work out at the time, they've never had a system in place where if a junior search student becomes unwell or there's a family bereavement and something stops them in the middle of exams from completing the exams, they've never had a system in place for the junior certs to reset it. But I think Cathy is right in that this year of all years that they maybe should have had a contingency put in place because Cathy is right, her son is not going to be the only Junior search student who will come down with COVID right in the middle of the exams. And the very fact that they're putting in place a system for the sitting of the leaving search, surely that they could run side by side a sitting of the junior search. And I think, you know, I'm not saying that it should be in place every year because there wouldn't be that many students would need to resit the junior search. But this year, of all years, with COVID and with so much COVID still out in the community, I think maybe they should have looked at that, but they haven't. And it leaves Kathy son completely in limbo after putting three years of work into the junior cert and my heart really goes out to him and as well you know the one thing about the junior cert and you're right a lot of people will say you know the junior certificate in the grand scheme of things isn't very important and many will say not worth the paper it's written on it's you know not going to get you into college it's not going to get you a job but it's a good start for students in getting them into what it is like to sit a state exam and how to prepare them for a state exam. Now obviously Kathy's son will have done all of that work but just the physical going in, sitting down getting the paper and then waiting on the results. It's just, it's a kind of a t- it's almost a taster of what's going to be like in a couple of years time for the leaving. So my heart uh, goes out to Cathy and she's right as well. She has decided to be very honest in that her son tested on an antigen test and I don't know if he's feeling unwell or not because a lot of people will get COVID and particularly a lot of young people will get COVID and they're absolutely symptoms symptom free so there will be people and there will be parents who will say oh you're fine you don't have any symptoms just don't mention to anyone that you've got COVID and there will be people who will allow their sons and daughters to go in and sit the exams there will also be other people who will have COVID and not even realise they've COVID and won't even test you can go forward for a PCR test you need to book them online there are still uh, there are still tests uh, available but I think there's a criteria of who's entitled to a test and who's not entitled to a test but it doesn't really make any difference to Cathy now because uh, she knows her son has tested positive on an antigen uh, test and she has done the honourable and the right thing by informing the school so my heart uh, does go out to Cathy but I wonder are there many other students who are in the very same boat as Cathy's son having put in the three years of work now what for nothing all of that's behind them because now the focus will be for the next two three years will be on the uh, leaving search you can't help but feel a sorry for him for sure. We send a little bit of love to Rose Kelly uh, from Taris Jack in Dunmanway that wonderful charity shop that has been doing so much good work in the area for so many years and we're told it's Rose's birthday today. Happy birthday to you Rose, especially from all the ladies at Taris Jack. and indeed we'll add all of the gang here at C103. Hope you have a lovely, lovely day Rose. Cork Summer Show is back with us next weekend, a family festival. It has an extensive range of activities. Everything from show jumping to pig racing to wellness, lifestyle and fashion products. There'll also be live music every day and a kid zone for the children. You can check out everything that's going to be happening across this weekend by going to corksummershow.com Your chance to win a family pass, which is for two adults and four children on the programme today. I will have a summer based question for you. And I'll be asking you to text or WhatsApp the answer a little bit later on and you could be winning that family pass, two adults and four children. Now, a couple of things to, oh, before I get to a couple of things, these are just queries that came in from yesterday, just on the junior search results when I mentioned what has happened to Cathy in West Cork and her son testing positive for COVID now can't sit the uh, junior search one listener and um, she was really disappointed to discover there's no resitting of the junior search there is a resitting of the leaving search but not of the junior search somebody says is this not another example of the government failing the people this listener feels the state should be sued for this also feels we need to have an election sooner rather than later common sense ain't very common at the moment in our government says this text her to 0862 And yesterday, Jim uh, contacted us, who was really upset and annoyed because he was trying to book tickets for the Cork versus Galway, the All-Ireland hurling quarterfinals in Semple Stadium, which is happening on next uh, Saturday. And he was wondering, was there something wrong with the actual GAA ticket master? Because every time he tried to put in the tickets, it would say, he couldn't get an allocation for that number of tickets to try again and he even put in one ticket to see if he could even buy one ticket and it kept coming back the same way. So we tried it here and we were getting the same uh, results. So we got on to the GAA, to the ticketing uh, department, and they say public sale tickets sold out within minutes yesterday. Remaining tickets are with county boards for distribution to clubs. There will be a further public sale later in the week. That's once all the club members are looked after. So they literally there was only a small allocation of tickets available from what I can gather from that through the GAA uh, Ticketmaster and they sold out very quickly. So Jim it wasn't anything wrong with the actual system. They just sold out really quick so I don't know if you are a member of any local club. Can you get tickets that way? If not Keep a a listen out and you need to jump onto your computer ASAP because there will be a limited number of tickets that will go on sale later on in the week. And then we were talking yesterday about refugees coming to this country, particularly the Ukrainian refugees and how there's a problem with housing of the Ukrainian refugees and it is a problem that's only going to get worse as we head into the summer months and the government now really scrambling because they're fearful that they're actually not going to have anywhere to house some of the Ukrainian refugees and, and we'll get to it and talk about it a little bit later on on the programme but a listener contacted us and uh, we, we, we hear this every so often from people in Dunmanway and this listener says it's now eight weeks since the gym was closed in Dunmanway and it was closed so that it could be used as emergency accommodation for Ukrainian refugee refugees but eight weeks on it is still lying idle. It has never been used to house any refugees as there been no accommodated in a local hotel. Could somebody please tell us what is happening and why is it still closed? And people who were regular users of the gym this is a gym that's attached to the swimming pool in Delmanway very upset that the gym just closed and it literally almost from what I could gather closed overnight and just remained closed for eight weeks and people that were regular gym goers are obviously missing their gym sessions. So we checked in again yesterday to see what's going on and we're told that the gym in Domainway is on the list and that when accommodation is needed the gym in Domainway will be activated and what we are hearing is that a number of the hotel contracts and I don't know if it's the same for the hotel in Domainway but a number of the hotel contracts are due to expire With the government, and that means that the people, the refugees, will have to leave the hotels. So maybe when the contracts expires, that's when the gym in Domamu will be used to house refugees. But yeah, I can sense the frustration from that listener. Who uh, is missing their gym in Dunmanway. And Joe in Kilmalek has been on to say his granddaughter is receiving her confirmation this Saturday. Hope she has a lovely day, Joe. But Joe was annoyed because they've now discovered that two local priests will be administering confirmation the bishop will not be present. He said the very same thing happened in Martinstown last week. He wants to know, is this happening across other parishes in Munster? What is happening to the Cork Diocese that the bishop isn't uh, available to do confirmation? Because there was a time where the bishop would have been at every single confirmation. I'm assuming it's to do with the busy diary, is it, for the bishop? I'm not too sure. But just we'll put it out there for other families who have had a son or daughter for confirmation was the bishop present for the confirmation, or have you a confirmation coming up where the bishop either is going to be there or is not going to be? Uh, let us know and let us know the diocese that or the parish that you're actually in. You can call John Paul oh eight one eight one zero three one zero three, or you can text or WhatsApp me to oh eight six two. 103 103.
0: Court today on C103 with Sean
3: Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group for motor, home, business, farm, life, and health insurance. CMIG.ie.
2: Now, litter is reflecting everyday life as discarded personal protective equipment on our streets has reduced, while used coffee cups are now causing a huge problem. To discuss the latest survey by the Irish Business Against Litter, I'm joined by their spokesman, and that is. Connor Horgan, good morning, Chikana. Good morning, Patricia. Uh, and you're welcome. Now it's good to see less of the masks and the disposable gloves and the PPE uh, gear. But we now have a problem with people. Is it commuting to and from work with their coffee cups? Is that a lot of the problem?
4: Well, I think it's 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 not just that. I think that a culture has established itself during COVID where more and more people are enjoying takeaway coffee. There's more and more coffee outlets, I believe, we've one of the largest number of coffee outlets in Europe now, in the country. And um, people are enjoying coffee in a new way. It's become a new form of socialising. Um, it's not waning as, as COVID disappears. And unfortunately, it brings with it large amounts of litter as people dispose of their coffee cups by simply throwing them on the grass in the park or on the street. And it has become a problem. I mean, I'll put it this way. We, we examined over 500 sites um, for this survey and in one quarter of them, there was coffee cup litter. So it, it has become a significant litter item that wasn't there a number of years ago.
5: Are you
2: in favour of the so-called latte levy, the 20 cent on the on the disposable, on the cup? Will it help?
4: Well, I think you know it's an obvious lever to look to. I mean, uh, I'm reminded of the plastic bag levy, and that was a big success. And of course, it was very relevant to our work, and there was a big fall off in the number of plastic bags we would find in hedgerows and in uh, you know on the streets and so forth. So, you know, uh, this a similar measure I think is called for here. There's a lot of debate about whether you know we have compostable cups or recyclable cups, but these findings suggest that irrespective of the makeup of the cup it's just not being disposed of properly it's just ending yeah, up on the ground yeah
2: and i know last week we spoke with retail excellence ireland Now, they were against the levy because you know they they see it as as affecting businesses so so yeah. you could understand why they were against it yeah. but we, i couldn't get over the number of calls that we had in from different local tidy towns groups who all backed up exactly what you were saying and saying that every single week when they go out to do their cleanups, they're finding more and more coffee cups. So something has to be done about it.
4: Yes, I think, and it may not suit every circumstance, but I myself, I use my reusable cup every day. And, you know, I'm conscious I'm saving hundreds of paper cups a year. And it's no great inconvenience, but I do note, and I've looked at it carefully over the last six months, I'm very much in a minority, Patricia. Yeah. There's very few people coming into the coffee shops um, and, the, and you know, the con- thrusting their cup in yeah. front of them and saying, uh, "Could you fill up these?" That may be down to the coffee shops a little that people are reticent after COVID because yeah. obviously this was something that was gaining traction before COVID. Now it had, then it had to stop. Maybe coffee shops need to flag more prominently that you know these refillable cups are welcome.
2: I think that's exactly what they need to do and you're right because before Covid there was a financial incentive for many coffee shops if you brought your own cup you actually got it sometimes you know 20, 50 cent cheaper by using your own cup. Yes and
4: I think they're still in place but you don't see them promoted so much and I think it's natural for people to think twice before Presenting their cup if they feel that maybe COVID regulations don't allow it or it's suggested that it's not hygienic. I, I think we need to dispel that notion and encourage it.
2: Yeah. And there was also a fall off in alcohol related. And again, yeah, this, I, I take it that's to do with the ending of lockdowns.
4: Yes. I mean, um, you know, consumption outdoors of both food and drink was a big problem for local authorities in, in, in the last two years of COVID. And it was a big problem from a litter point of view. So it's well, it's it's good to see that uh, there has been a fall-off in alcohol-related uh, litter. And with it, we've seen our parks are cleaner. 80% of our public parks that we surveyed were clean. Um, now, we've got a summer ahead of us and perhaps, a, <laughs> a, but hopefully, a summer of good weather. And that will be a test as to whether, uh, you know, this practice uh, has... Uh, you know, it's discontinuing for good or whether we'll see it re-emerge. So,
2: okay, so that'll always, be
4: interesting to see
2: I always in your reports like to try and focus first on, on the positive and there was some good news for the town of Middleton uh, cleaner than European norms coming in at 13th place
4: That's right, I mean we gave Fermoy a break this time because Fermoy has been good for many years obviously and it was overdue uh, a, 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 an examination of Middleton I think was overdue has done very well uh, Seven of the ten sites surveyed got the top grade, and these included the approach roads, uh, Willowbank residential area, the main street, the retail park. Um, most heavily littered site was the clothing bank at the distillery road car park, which um, was in sharp contrast to the other sites in Middleton. So a bit of work to be done there, but, but positive news for Middleton. That's
2: frustrating when you see it at a recycling, you know, a bring site. It always frustrates me that people go to the effort of deciding to use a clothing bank or a bottle bank or whatever it is, and then when they get there, just because it's full, they just decide to that's leave. It, it. Yeah, it's frustrating. Now,
4: now w- one, one of the, you were talking about positives. One of the positives this time round was that um, the cleanliness of the recycle centers generally across the country um, was, was greater than previously. And um, I, I think we're seeing local authorities only now getting fully back to speed with their cleaning schedules and their cleaning teams. And they seem to be targeting heavily littered sites with the result that lots of the litter black spots that we talk about, they've disappeared this time around. That's there's 50 percent fewer of them so and that has benefited the city areas in particular so uh, not so much the cork areas I should say but around the country generally the urban centers have done better because there's fewer litter black spots in them
2: yeah we didn't have good news for our beautiful city Cork northside Cork city Center and cork City 37 35 36 and 37th out of 40 uh, all deemed littered not that's not a good news story for the city
6: no
4: quite unusual for cork City as well. and we've spoken about Cox City being clean it was clean for I think six years in a row but not in recent years and when I say it's unusual it's that it, you know it didn't have many litter black spots it
2: OK, Connor's phone we were just wrapping it up anyway, John Paul uh, Connor's phone is just because uh, he was actually doing it was the climb was was really clear he was joining us was giving him are you back with us? No, OK, we'll let it go that was uh, Connor Horgan of uh, Eyeball because I was just about to, to wrap it up on that not great news for Cork City with three areas as I say uh, deemed uh, littered and uh, also we can when you look through the report from the Irish Business Against Litter the one thing time and time again we can be so thankful for the work of local tidy towns groups because without the work of local tidy towns groups we would be in a much worse uh, situation. The councils do as much as they can do but it's the work of the volunteers that go out all the time uh, cleaning up and picking up other people's uh, litter. So our thanks to uh, Connor Hogan of the Irish Business Against uh, Litter. We're getting there but there is more to do and actually just on littering, this is on dog fouling, a listener says, Patricia, would you please ask people who walk their Dogs at Treshan Road in Mill Street to clean up after them please. Some people are very good but others are an absolute disgrace. It is simply not acceptable to let your dogs foul on the grassy area because the children walk and play on the grass. When will some people learn manners and I, and I really that really annoys and saddens me to think that people would allow leave their dogs loose and to do their business on a grass area where they know the children are going to be playing or walking uh, across and I, I mean I don't know if we will ever find a solution to the problem of dog fouling even outside my own door only last week somebody decided I'm i am well I'm, I'm hoping it wasn't somebody decided not to clean up after their dog I'm hoping that it was a stray dog or a loose dog got out but right on the footpath right outside where I parked the car and I was getting marched out of the car and I didn't see it and of course she's blind she didn't see it and she stood right into it and it was just I got this waft of a smell I went oh what's that and then looked and it was all over her shoe she was absolutely destroyed and then trying to get her into the house get the shoe off without bringing it all the way into the house it's just it's disgusting it's absolutely uh, disgusting so I'm with that listener uh, who regularly walks and lives I don't know whether you walk or live near Dushan Road in Mill Street please clean up after your dog's 0818 103 103 John Paul's taking your calls you can text or WhatsApp to 0862 103 103
0: Cork Today on C103
3: With Sean Cusack Insurances Kinsale now part of McCarthy Insurance Group they don't just talk the talk they walk the walk cmig.ie The
2: Castle Martyr Family Carers and Disability Support Group say the weakest of the weak in the community have been hit by the closure of the Castle Martyr Health Centre in East Cork to discuss the Issue. further. I'm joined by the head of that group and that's Cork Carer uh, Liz Maddock. Good morning to you Liz.
5: Morning Trish, and thank you very much
2: well, for having me on. Well you're very welcome to the programme I suppose firstly how did you and other families find out about the closure of this health centre in Castle Martyr?
5: Well we didn't actually. Um, we had no notification whatsoever um, and, uh, to me a nurse called me um, over the bank holiday and, and she said Liz I've some news for you She left me a message on my phone and then she said, well, uh, I'll tell you later. So it wasn't until the Tuesday morning she got back to me. She called to the house and um, she said to me that the health centre had closed. um, And I said, well, what am I to do for my supplies that I need and that I've just been able to go in that building, pick them up and do my job? And she said, "Um, you from now on must go into Middleton or you to pick pick them up. And and, And I said, at two two fifteen, two twenty a litre of, of um, petrol. The family carers are now have to spend their money running around taking care of the patients. Um, and the HSE had made a statement that um, they will deliver they mm. will deliver from Middleton. Yeah. And I'm like, so you're gonna get public health nurses now coming in from Middleton and I don't know everybody, all our listeners out there know what Casamara is like. They'd be sat in traffic for I don't know how long. Coming out, delivering to Liz Malik, and then an hour later, delivering to Joe somewhere else, and Frank somewhere else. It's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard of. But what really blew my mind, Trish, this morning, I'm in need of some uh, Tubi Grip, which is um, what I use uh, for uh, my husband's arms, because he has a, a bad infection right now. The nurse is coming to see to the infection in a second. Um, she she won't have the Tubi Grip. I've ordered the Tubi Grip a week, a week ago, which is a, a bandage that covers the sores. And I don't have it. I went and knocked on the door this morning. I, I went out to get some milk. I saw the lights on in, in the, in the centre. I knocked on the door, and the home help coordinator comes out to me, and I said, "The place Trish is covered to the ceiling with boxes. So there is a storage unit out in the backyard for all for all the for all the equipment for home helps and family carers. All of a sudden, all the boxes are stacked to the ceiling." And they are sat in a, taut, a tiny little space in the middle of the boxes. So I said to her, if you're in here, can I have my tube-, tube grip? And she said, no, no, no. This is just for the home help." And I said, well, what am I? What am I doing then? What are people like me doing at home, family carers, taking care of the patients? Well, what do we have to do now? And she said, the building is not fit for purpose and it should be closed. Well, hello, you're in here. You're in here this morning. And you're making sure that the home helps have their equipment to go out to houses. So, so hang on, care.
2: hang on. You're saying home helps can still use yes, the health centre yes, to yes, pick up whatever they need, yes, but yes. you're saying family carers have to get into a can't car and drive. Oh, family
5: members can't. No, we've got to go to Middleton or Yorke now. And and she's telling me and a, and and if it was closed, if a fire officer went in there right now, she shouldn't be in there. The, that well, that's because safe. of the boxes. Yeah, yeah. Leave the boxes. If you. They've put the boxes in there to constructively close the building. We're not stupid here. We're not stupid. And she's a wonderful person and I thanked her for the, well, they, for the 20 well, years work she's yeah, been doing. Well, it's fantastic. But,
2: but the HSC say that the building is old. They also yeah. say there's been very limited public access since uh, well, that's, 20, that's, since 2019. Right. So what's the close? <laughs> yeah. is, is that you claim that's rubbish? Have you been using it since
5: 2019? Yes, yes. And, and I got it. Uh, I fought the first closure Uh, Trish, and I got a three-year stay of execution. It was left open, right? Now, it hasn't been used because it was closed for COVID. It was closed for COVID. Everywhere was closed for COVID. But we were able to run up and get our supplies from there through COVID, obviously, you know. So Yeah, and so there's also ridiculous. going to
2: be there's also going to be situations where some carers, you know, you you need to have access to whatever yeah, we you don't need. Have cars. They yeah, don't yeah, have but you cars, need to have access but, as close to home as possible because yeah, exactly. there are some carers who will be leaving their loved ones while they nip out to get whatever they need. Yeah, they're not and always. Going, have,
5: yeah, yeah, you don't ask somebody. You're right, Trish. You know, it's the case of who you're going to get to look after the patient, or you're going running around sitting in traffic to come back into Castlebar. I, I I wouldn't mind if the whole. If you're telling me that you want to close the whole building, then close the whole building. But don't make an arse of us now, and I'm sorry, Trish, to say this. But you've got someone sitting in What about
2: if everybody opts for the home delivery service? Because that's going to put them under pressure to be delivering to everybody, Well, sure. that
5: is my advice, Trish, and that is the best advice I can give everyone here. Because, you know, I'm here now, it's half past ten, quarter to eleven, I don't have what I need for my patient. He has a severe inspection, and, and as a family carer, I'm responsible. The nurse is coming this morning to see to his infection, and um, she knows very little about him. She, I don't know where she's coming from. One of the nurses that came the other day came from John Garvin. John Garvin didn't even come from a local area. Came from John Garvin, and um, she said to me, "Anytime you need me, ring me, and I'll come from John Garvin." And, uh-huh. and here we are. How is this cost effective? And, and
2: is the, this this and this closure this is another closure, let's be honest for the people of yeah. East Cork I so mean we've Oana been Cora covering second yeah, yeah we've been covering the owner center yeah. on this program yeah. since the, since yeah. that was a, it, there must be a sense like the people of, of East Cork feel they are almost forgotten about
5: i this covers a wide area trish it covers John Gorney, Ladies ladiesbridge Shanagarry, gary balance houses, it covers the killer road it covers a massive area the Public health nurses are outstanding, but without question, they do fantastic work and the home health in the area do as well. This is not their fault. I must send a message out to the people with disabilities, by the way, who don't have family carers. You know, some of them have motorised chairs. They said that the building didn't have a disabled toilet and it didn't have um, a, a Wheel-
2: ramp. And the wheelchair accessibility, right. yeah.
5: Two-minute job. You know, I could get any builder to put a ramp in, free of charge. I could get a disability toilet done, free of charge. But you've sat, I've looked this morning, what's made me so angry, Trish, the place is stacked to the ceiling with boxes. That is, to start, and that proves then to whoever goes in and does reports is not fit for purpose.
2: Well it sounds I'm like it's been used as a it sounds like it's been used as a storage facility, the way the yeah. way you're describing yeah, it. Exactly. Um okay, have you got on to any local representatives to see if they can yes, fight yeah? Um
5: I have and I thank um Fina, Fina Foyle, James O'Connor. Yeah. I thank um Deputy uh Pat Buckley from Sinn Fein. God love him, he called me yesterday morning. Go to James O'Connor. And Liam Craig has been outstanding for the Green Party. Yeah, I mean Those you've got yeah you've got yeah you've clinic. got good
2: yes. p- uh, public reps. I mean you yes. need to yeah uh, well, uh, you know and listen the fight is going on for owner a car. I, d- I don't know how far they're uh, whether they're going to get into the reverse of the decision or not. But I think that's what you have to do. You've got to uh, you, you all have to unite and 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 fight. You know, and we're, but it we're shame, talking Trish? about salon care and keeping everything in the community. Yeah. And then You're a decision it, yeah. like this is made. It's just
5: yeah mind boggling. Mean, If if I wanted to, I could say, you know what, I've had enough. You take my husband into care. You go and look after him. Why would I do that to the patient? Or why would the patients have to feel like this?" this? These managers sitting in Kerry, you're making the wrong decisions. You know, if you're in charge of something and you're a leader of something, you have a choice to do something good or something bad. When you do something bad and you make the wrong decision, hey, down and have a talk and say you know what lads this is a bad decision we've made a wrong decision we need and to change
2: listen, this listen to the people that it's and affecting listen to the, listen listen to the people yeah. it's affecting yeah. and Good. you know Good. Liz they know you won't ring up and say I'm going to stop caring um, for my husband absolutely. that's the of problem with family do. carers that's they the know problem. that that will never yeah. happen
5: yeah
2: okay and how is your husband doing outside of this infection he's you got have a bad infection up? at the
5: minute he's got a bad infection yeah. and we're dealing with that you know and he's his own issues. And it, it this kind of extra pressure is frustrating. You don't It's need annoying. It. And you don't need not it. needed. It's just an extra worry on you that you think, I actually don't know right now where I'm to go and get the supplies I need. No one's told me. I actually don't know. They said Middleton. We're in Middleton. Where are you in Middleton? You know, give me a call. Say, hey, Liz, we're here in Middleton. I don't even know where they are, Trish. I yeah. don't even know where they are. I right. don't care where I am.
2: OK, listen, we'll keep in contact with you, yeah. uh, Liz. And thanks a million for, for joining us and, and and highlighting this issue on the programme today.
5: And thank you, Trish, for okay. having me. No God problem. Bless no thank problem. So Take much.
2: care. I just I tell you, family carers, God help them. They, you know, they're struggling as it is. And then we make a decision like that is made and it just makes the work that they do that little bit harder. And it just can be that little bit that can push somebody over the edge. It's just it's horrible horrible whoever decides to make that decision. Listen to the people and listen to what the needs of the people that you're helping that those centres are put in place uh, to help. You're listening
3: to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed.
2: Bishop won't be in the church for the confirmation. It's two local priests instead who will be confirming the children and he said it also happened in Martinstown last week and he's wondering is this the norm across all of the parishes and what's happening in the Diocese of uh, Cork is the bishop coming or not well Orla was on to say that in the parish of Kilmurray The priests actually spoke with the parents and said would they be happy with a particular date for the confirmation they'd set a date or if they wanted to wait for the bishop to be in attendance for the confirmation then they would have to go with the bishop's diary and obviously the bishop has only so many days of the week where he can be out and about doing confirmation so they put it to the parents which I thought was a very democratic thing to do on behalf of the priests in the parish of Kilmurray so the parents all had a chat about it and they were happy with the date that had been agreed by the priests and they went with that instead so the priests did the confirming not the bishop and everybody had a great day and the thing by doing it that way as well by having the priests of the parish you more than likely then can have it on say either a Saturday or a Sunday if you're waiting on the bishop and the bishop filling his diary confirmation then could be on any day of the week and that might might not always suit families if it's a midweek particularly if you want other family members to travel and confirmation and Communions are very much getting back to normal and they're very much about family days and the granny and the granddads coming along and the aunts and the uncles and the cousins and you know people might have a little bit of a party back in the house etc so having it on a weekend certainly will suit families much more than if you're relying on the bishop's diary so it does look like it's becoming more of the norm I think than certainly in previous years that it isn't always the bishop that conducts the confirmation the local priests can do it as well 0818 103.103, we spoke about coffee cups and the amount of coffee cups that have been dumped, and it's been very much shown. By the Irish Business Against Litter and their latest survey and we mentioned about how we all need to get into the habit of the keep cups and certainly before the pandemic there was a big push to people bringing their own cups with them when they went for a cup of coffee and a lot of the coffee shops would have signed up saying there was you know a financial incentive you get your cup of coffee or your cup of tea cheaper if you brought, brought your own cup uh, with you somebody is making an interesting point though on the coffee cups a point that has to be made a lot of the keep cups and the refillable cups are too tall to fit into a lot of the coffee machines at filling stations etc and I hadn't thought about that and I'm thinking I have one I have a really good keep cup that I got in Australia it's a glass one and it's a smaller one so it does fit into the machines but I'm thinking of the other keep cups I have the traditional the tall ones and you're right they wouldn't fit in to any of the machines so that's a problem in itself uh, thank you for uh, that uh, hi Patricia when oh this is um. Housing of the Ukrainian refugees. John in Caragalline says, when is our government going to stand up and say, Ireland has a housing crisis? No more refugees are no more emigrants allowed in. Are you saying close the borders, John? John says, it's time to look after our own people now. We have a great, we're a great, great country to show the world how generous a country we are. We need the government to put our own people first, The very same people who elected them. They have very short memories. Is it not time for an election, says John in Karigaline. And just by the way, because I did mention yesterday about the the worrying problem that the government have going forward when it comes to the Ukrainian uh, refugees with the modelling that was carried out for the government by the consultancy firm Ernest & Young, which is suggesting that approximately 3,400 refugees will be without accommodation by the end of July. And the end of July is the date when the contracts for most of the hotels expire. And they're basing their modelling, if 250 people a day continue to arrive from Ukraine, that they are the numbers that they're expecting will be without a place To call home, and then the modelling suggests even if the number of 250 drops down to 150 people per day arriving from Ukraine, uh, looking for refuge here, there could be between 5,700 and 6,900 refugees who won't have anywhere to live by the end of August. So the government itself are facing a problem, but I did read in the papers today that the HSE's contact tracing teams are now being drafted in to help fit people who have offered rooms in their homes to refugees. The Cabinet Subcommittee on Ukraine... They met when we spoke about the fact they were meeting yesterday. They agreed to relocate HSE staff who've been working on the COVID pandemic, particularly in contact tracing, to help now with the humanitarian crisis that has been sparked by the Russian invasion. Now, last week, we also mentioned that some of the contact tracing team have already been asked to help out with the backlog in the passport uh, office. But there was a, a meeting yesterday of the Cabinet Subcommittee on Ukraine. They've decided, look, let's use some of the contact tracers uh, to help with vetting homes that have offered to give a bed and a place to live for Ukrainian refugees. Now, prior to yesterday's meetings, uh, the minister ministers had been told that the rate of progress in securing accommodation through the Irish Red Cross pledge system they were saying it was unsatisfactory. It is hoped that around six thousand people will be accommodated in privately pledged houses, and they're hoping that that will happen within the coming months. The cabinet committee was told by the children's minister Rodrigo Gorman that the Ukrainian accommodation crisis remains extremely challenging and that there are still concerns that the state will struggle to house all those who are arriving. The Taoiseach and the ministers have also of course agreed to purchase and develop 500 modular homes and they reckon when they're up and built they'll be able to accommodate around 2,000 of the uh, refugees and of course the Department of Housing is also in advanced planning to refurbish local authority buildings and that will provide they reckon around uh, a little over 3,000 spaces for Ukrainians. Uh, So they are working Working to try to solve the problem but even with all the work they're doing they it looks like that they according to that modeling from Ernest and young as we go into the summer months there is going to be an even more difficult problem for the government in housing Ukrainian refugees but John is bringing that up and saying is it time to say no room at the inn we are full 0818103103. 103. And on poor Kathy, who contacted us earlier today about her son who tested positive at the weekend for COVID-19 and he's a junior cert a student and she contacted the school thinking there wouldn't be a problem, he'd be able to sit the exams that he's going to miss later on in the summer like the Leaving Cert students will be able to do at the end of July to be told no, there's no re-sitting of the exams for the junior cert students. There is for the leaving cert but not for the junior cert. Somebody has made reports. <laughs> now, if we assume that Cathy's son isn't isn't unwell, isn't, is feeling OK, he just has COVID and has to isolate for seven days, somebody says, could the school not put him in a separate room? Could you not use a bit of common sense here and let the boy do his junior cert? um. Could we not do something? I'm not getting into the end part of that comment, but could we not do something for him? But I I accept the point you're making. Now, the only thing is, if he was put into a separate room there would have to be an invigilator wouldn't they sitting in the room but is there some way you could do it like a room where there's glass where somebody could sit outside just to keep an eye and you know obviously he can't just be allowed to sit in a room and he could have books with him or anything not that I would imagine Cathy's son sounds anything like the type of young lad who would cheat in any way but I know they would say there'd have to be rules around making sure that he was you know not being helped out in any way but you could get around that couldn't you with just you know a glass door and somebody sitting outside looking in at him was is there another way around it rather than I'm simply missing all of the work that he has put in that all the last three years building up to this and now suddenly to not be able to do it it's just, it's, it really is heartbreaking for the young lad thank you for your text to 0862 103 103 on dog fouling the dreaded dog fouling that I mentioned again this morning Patricia while you're on the subject of dog poo can you please ask the dog walkers in Carrick Navarre village who allow their dogs to poo by the primary school, and that's going from the ASD unit to the bungalows where the parents insist on parking for pickups to please pick up after their dog. It's a disgrace. Children and parents are walking buggies and it's like an obstacle course trying to avoid it. Thanks a million. Patricia signed a concerned resident. So do you walk your dog anywhere in Carrick Navarre village but particularly anywhere around the school? Will you bring your bags with you please? And will you clean up after your dogs? And when we're asking you to clean up after your dogs, we're not asking you then to toss the contents of what you pick up in over the ditch, bring it home with you or wait until you come across the bin that you can dispose of it properly. always and Mike in Bantry says, Patricia, would you please congratulate the Bantry Jester Jesters. They're an unlimited rugby mixed abilities. They finished third in the Rugby World Cup and that Rugby World Cup looked like it was hugely successful. I saw lots posted online and I saw lots in the media and what a joy it seemed to have been. So well done to all of the teams taking part but to the Bantry Jesters who came third. Congratulations guys and gals. 0818 103 103 John Paul taking your calls. C 103 Jobs. Arctic drivers are wanted for work in Cork. You must be experienced and you need to hold a full clean sea license. CVs please to Michael Tynan Cars D22 at gmail.com. An office administrator is wanted in Bandon. Email info at LloydBowmaker.com. KPH Construction, they're looking for ground workers for concrete work in Cork City. Call 087 655 1111. And Charleville Plantire are recruiting lorry drivers with full clean sea licence and also qualified mechanics. Call 87 3285 You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Please go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is... C103.
0: Court today on C103.
3: With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance, cmig.ie.
2: Did you know that acne is Ireland's most common skin disorder with an estimated 80% of the Irish population dealing with the dreaded condition, regardless of age? To discuss acne in more detail, I'm joined by skin expert Ivana Breen, who is founder of AKINA. Beauty and Laser Clinic in Dublin. Uh, good morning to you, Vanna. Good morning. How are you? You're, uh, you're, I'm very well, thank you. And you're welcome to the programme. Now, this month, July, is actually Acne Awareness Month. Are we rolling, assuming that acne only affects teenagers?
1: We are wrong in assuming that. Um, Certainly it's in the teenage years where it first presents itself due to hormonal changes. But it's very commonplace in adults in their 20s, 30s, 40s. And I've even seen people into their 60s still having to deal with breakouts at, at, at different parts of times in their lives. So it's not just something that affects teenagers. Okay, what causes it? So there's no known cause as such, um, but there's a number of different factors that influence it. So genetically, people would be predisposed to having an oilier skin type, and then it's down to um, hormones and changes in hormones that can um, cause an excess production of sebum, of oil in the skin. And what happens then is that the, the, your dead skin cells that naturally shed off Um, on a daily basis get caught in this excess oil which is kind of thick and sticky and that is a perfect breeding ground then for bacteria which is the the cutie bacteria. Um, that thrives on this kind of uh, gunk, shall we say this, mm. this build up of oil and dead skin cells in the scalp and that cr- they, they thrive on this so it, the build up of bacteria causes inflammation then in the skin and that's where you end up with your infl- inflamed spots and breakouts
2: And when, as you say, you know, in, in a lot of cases it is, it, it is very commonplace with teenagers do the majority just grow out of it?
1: A lot of people do grow out of it, yeah. Um, as soon as your se- hormones settle down after the teenage years, it it, um, it can be something that you don't... you don't. It happened to, to me. I suffered with acne when I was a teenager and I d- thankfully don't really get breakouts any longer, the occasional one. But for many people, it is something that um, continues on, as I say, into the 20s, 30s and 40s. And really, Acne Awareness Month is about showing people that there are lots of different things that you can do to help maintain your skin and although there's no known cure for acne, we can definitely manage it and we and learning to manage it is key.
2: And can it have a, a really negative effect on somebody's conf- confidence? I mean, if they have a really bad breakout o- break on, on your, because it's, you know, traditionally it's on your face. I mean, I'm assuming it can really knock at somebody's confidence.
1: Oh, absolutely. Um, You know, people, it can really affect um, their social lives and um, how they interact with colleagues and uh, friends and family. It's a massive, it can have a massive impact on your mental health. So it's definitely something that if you do suffer with acne and you're struggling, you, you really need to go to someone, uh, go to a skin therapist. It would be the first port of call. And normally what we would do then is we would assess the skin, get you on the right home care routine, maybe do some salon treatments. And after a period of time, if there's no improvement, then we'll refer you on to your GP who can then maybe look at um, doing maybe possibly a course of antibiotics for females it would be maybe going on a pill to help control the hormones and then in more severe cases um, there's always a the possibility of somebody needing to go on a more severe drug uh, called roaccutane but there can be fantastic results at any of those stages so it just depends on the individual as to how bad their acne is and what what is aggravating it as well and that's where we become the first port of call because we help them identify if they've been um, everything that they should be doing in terms of skin care and looking after it. And do they then need the help of medication?
2: Yeah. after Yeah, I mean, I think very much it's a case of, you know, don't just live with it. You know, you'll have some acne. people think, oh, it's just acne. I have to live with it. Yeah. Your message today is you don't. There, there are treatments available.
1: Absolutely, yeah. There's so many different things that you can do and, you know, even basic steps like um, one of the things that I often see in the clinic is that people with acne tend to want to really cleanse their skin because they feel like the excess oil is dirty and it's making their skin dirty. So they over cleanse and they over exfoliate
2: the skin. So scrubbing like mad
1: thinking
2: you're going (laughs) to stop
1: over exfoliating.
2: Absolutely.
1: We have this natural lipid barrier. It's the acid mantle that's made up of complex fluids and lipids and oils that are secreted from your skin. And this air acts as a protective barrier on the surface of the skin that stops It it prevents bacterial breakouts and it helps uh, hold in the water in your skin and it's got lots of different functions to help maintain the health of your skin. So if we're over-exfoliating or over-cleansing, you strip that barrier and then what happens is that the skin wants to produce more oil to replace what you've stripped so it becomes a vicious circle. So the first thing to do is definitely stop using the harsh products and the harsh cleansers and stop over-exfoliating the skin.
2: Okay, Judy wants to know, can stress affect acne breakouts? She's in her early 20s and she notices that whenever she has any stressful event coming up, like college exams or anything stressful, she'll get a breakout. Is it linked to stress in any way? It is linked to stress,
1: yes. (coughs) Excuse me, yes. Um, So stress has an effect on our hormones. And when we're, we're stressed, the stress hormones trigger the Uh, hormones that uh, then trigger the oil glands in our skin, the androgen glands in the skin. So when we're stressed, we are more vulnerable to getting breakouts. And the other thing about being stressed is usually when we're stressed, we tend to um, maybe not eat as well as we should, reach for the more comfort foods. And those comfort foods tend to be ones that are more high in sugar. Um, And sugar is one of those things that causes spikes in your insulin levels, a hormone considered to have a direct effect on the oil production in the skin. So cutting out refined sugar and just keeping the refined sugar to a minimum is um, going to really help the acne. But also um, eating a low glycemic index diet is an important. So glycemic index is the number given to carbohydrates based on how quickly they're absorbed into your bloodstream. So foods with a high glycemic index will cause spikes in those hormonal levels. And typically foods that are high GI would be sugars and starches, so uh, white bread, white rice, Chocolate sweets, those kind of things, and if you try and opt for more whole foods that are low g i that are a slower release of um the sugar, so things like oats and sweet potato those more kind of whole foods, it gives you a more even uh, balance in your blood sugar, and that for there, there that then has a knock-on effect of helping to normalise hormonal levels, and that can that can um, cause inflammation in the skin, resulting in breakouts.
2: Okay, another listener says that she gave up dairy and she noticed a vast improvement in her acne, uh, and her doctor led her to believe that it can be linked to dairy products.
5: Yes,
1: yeah, so there has been, um, there's always been a bit of controversy around this whereby um, people, some people would say, yes, it does, uh, dairy does affect and others don't. The studies show that for some people, there is a correlation between um, dairy aggravating the acne and the, and those that don't. Um, there are some people that it doesn't affect them at all whatsoever. So usually when it comes to dairy, it's, the, the studies show that low-fat milk tends to be the main culprit. So if you're having your cappuccinos or your, your lattes with low fat milk, you know, it's it's uh, and having your cereal as well, just maybe cu- consider cutting that out. And I would say only cut it out for a period of maybe two or three weeks. And if you notice an improvement in your skin in that time frame, then you know that you're one of those
2: people. Yeah, that is which, is, uh, which is exactly what this listener has done. She's yeah, cut uh, it out. Uh, somebody wants to know her 15 year old son has very bad acne and she's noticed some scarring. Will that scarring go away so this is why it is important
1: to get the right skincare routine um, because not it doesn't always go away so using the right skincare will help to prevent scarring in the future uh, so it would be important for your listener to go and see a skin therapist and get a good routine for him so that he doesn't have to uh, worry about the scarring
2: Okay, Connor is in his uh, 30s. He moisturises every day. He's using a serum and a moisturiser. He did visit a skin expert about the acne. Uh, He says it's more or less gone. He's wondering, should he of the serum and the moisturiser or has he just eventually grown out of the acne?
1: No, and I'm delighted to hear that he's doing that. And yes, he absolutely should continue using a serum and a moisturizer. He might need to, if he no longer has the acne, he might need to change the type of moisturizer and serum that he's using. But one of the um, things that I noticed that a lot of people with acne are afraid to use moisturizer or afraid to use serum because they feel that it's putting more product onto the skin and it would aggravate the um, the acne. But that couldn't be farther from the truth. You need the skin to be hydrated in order for it to function and for the skin cells to turn over efficiently and to help that shedding process so you're not getting that buildup of dead skin cell cells that cause the congestion, that ultimately cause um, breakouts. So... Definitely using a serum and a moisturizer is very important for someone with acne, so it's great to hear that he's, he's done gotten good, good,
2: results. good to see the men using the serums and the moisturizers, is
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, we, we are our client base here is I would say 35% male and is growing. It? Yeah, oh, that's great. Yeah, so that's they great. are, they're starting to look after themselves more.
2: Okay, a uh, question in from Linda Can a child get acne? She's noticed her seven year old has spots.
1: Um, so it would be something slightly different in a seven-year-old. It wouldn't be acne and that would be something she'd need to go to her pharmacist to and uh, show the pharmacist what is going on so they could assess it or even go into taking her to a GP. So it would be unusual for yeah, a it's
2: seven-year-old. Be, it's, it yeah, it could be something else. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you can give advice as this. Mary wants to know, would Ivan have any advice on somebody who suffers from a very itchy scalp? Does that fall in under your remit?
1: Itchy scalp is, yeah, well... It can, it can be something as simple as using a nitro nice shampoo um, can be really good for that kind of thing. And taking an omega oil supplement, I think as well, can help with that because that itchiness and dryness is because the skin there is uh, tight and dry and dehydrated. So taking an omega oil supplement helps calm any kind of inflammation and helps lubricate the skin. So that would be a good thing as to, to do as well.
2: Okay and a number of listeners are asking the same question. What is the best creams to use when you're suffering from acne? Do you have particular creams you would suggest?
1: So one of the most important um, things that you can do, there, there are two active ingredients that I think are really good for acne. The first one is salicylic acid and you can get salicylic acid in either a, clear, a cleanser or a serum or a moisturiser. And what salicylic does is it helps to break down the congestion and it also um, decongests the oil. It helps to break down the oil that's in the pore. So salicylic acid would be the first one. And then retinol is the second one. So retinoids are products that are derived from vitamin A and they can be used topically or or, orally to help deal with acne. Um, Retinol is a basic form of vitamin A. And what it does is it helps to speed up the skin cell turnover. It helps to stimulate collagen. So it's great for helping to clean clean up the scarring and uh, any residual acne that's lingering. And it helps normalize the oil secretions in your skin as well. So... Retinol is a really important one. But it need, retinol is one of those products that you need to introduce very slowly. You start with low doses, just two or three times a week. And probably the best way to use retinol is to buy it from a skin therapist and allow them to guide you through uh, the management of that product. So when you're buying them over the counter, People tend to use them um, in an incorrect manner and get what we call retinoic reactions where the skin becomes flaky and dry and then the client ends up being afraid to use it again because their skin has been irritated so it really does need management and uh, you really need to go and chat with somebody before you start using a retinol
2: okay and holly says she only gets acne on the days leading up to her periods and for a couple of days at the start of her menstrual cycle the rest of the months usually for a good three weeks her skin is perfect it's very frustrating
1: it is very frustrating Oh, it's so frustrating. And that is classic hormonal acne. And um, again, using the right skincare routine is going to help that. And also just watching your diet pre- and um, pre- that in that week coming up to your period because that's always the day or the times the, the week that you want to have that extra bit of chocolate so just watching the if you can stick to the low GI foods in that week it'll help minimise the breakouts because we can't stop the hormones from uh, stimulating the oil glands but what we can do is we can Manage the breakouts so when they come up, they're they're smaller. There's less of them, and that then we can get rid of them quicker. That the heal the skin heals faster, so they're not lingering.
2: Okay, but your main message on this June awareness month for acne is help is available. Don't be suffering in silence. Okay, yeah. Okay. Listen Ivana it was a pleasure talking to you. Thank you for that. Thank you for and having thanks, me. Uh, thanks for joining us. Good morning bye to you. Ivana Breen who is uh, founder of Akina Beauty and Laser Clinic and they're based in uh, Dublin. I've just been told that a lorry has shed part of his load east of the Dunkettle Interchange. Gardaí are on the way but uh, drivers are asked to please slow down. That's east of the Dunkettle Interchange. A lorry has shed its load.
0: Court today on C103 with John Cusack
3: Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie.
2: The amazing DIY SOS team is coming to Mitchellstown from the 5th through to the 14th of July, and they're now looking for as many people as possible from the local community and indeed further afield to get involved and help out with the building project to find out more. I'm joined by uh, Sinead Dalton of uh, uh, Motif.ie, who are the makers of the DIY SOS, the Big Build um, TV programme. Good morning to Sinead. Morning, Patricia. How are you? I'm very well. Now, I have to say, this is a very different project for the DIY SOS team, the the Big Build, in that it's not just one house, but six homes. Tell me more.
7: Yes, so um, we're actually returning to Cork. We were in Cork City there um, over the last couple of months and and we loved it so much we decided to come back and do a two-part special episode in where we're not going to do one, as you said, we're actually going to do six houses in the space of nine days. So as you can imagine, this is probably one of our biggest challenges that we've had to date.
2: Now, these are the six houses that the Bishop Paul Colton, uh, we actually had him on the programme uh, earlier this year, uh, referred uh, to there to house Ukrainian refugees.
7: Yeah, that's correct. So, um, as you said, we've we've joined forces with them. So, Baz on his purple shirt, they're going to be making their way down and they'll be killing out, as you said, six terrace houses in Kingston College um, um, for those Ukrainians uh, who have... Um, who are making their way over from the Ukraine?
2: Is there a lot of work to be done, it Um, I can't give too much away now. Okay. Yeah,
7: yeah. Well, like we, as, as I said, we'd be, we're calling out for all trades um, to take part. So that's from your, you know your electricians, your painters, decorators, tilers, landscapers, stone masons. So any trades you can think of, we need. And you know, even general labourers. It doesn't matter if you don't. If you don't, you're not specified that's why I don't you can come down and help, Yeah, you know. And I
2: mean, anyone, um, I mean, I, yeah. love, I love this TV programme. I think it's just, it's fantastic. And I used to watch the, the one on, on the BBC, the, the English yeah. one. And I think ours is just so much better. It's, I know that the, the, the basis of the same TV show, but I think the one thing that really comes out in the Irish one with Baz, it's the commitment from the yeah. people who turn up and stay there. They work every hour that God sends and willing to give.
7: Well, that's it. And I don't think, you know, I've worked on a lot of projects before and I've never actually seen so much dedication from people and and willingness to, you know, you don't have to ask twice and they're like, yeah, no problem. We'll help you with that or we'll donate this or we'll, you know, help out in catering. We'll cook this and bring it up. And, you know, like I said, you don't have to ask twice. They're just absolutely amazing and it really you know kind of gives you faith in people again that you know if if you need something Irish people will, will well, always great. give back
2: yeah great yeah, and really we're particularly good. good here in Cork Sinead so you won't be you, no? won't, you won't be let down I'll tell, tell you that do people need to commit to the full 10 days
7: no again it's what anything any time that you can give um that's no problem. So if you wanted to do the full stint from the 5th to the 13th, you're very welcome. If you can only do one day or half a day again, that's that's every little helps, as they say. Um, the only thing is, uh, we do say is that you register. So you can either email us on diysoscork at gmail.com or we do on 083 9827 And it's just so that we know who's coming down and that we have a number of people and um, that will be on site for that day. But like yeah, I said, that you any have, trade, yeah, that yeah. you have
2: electricians on the right days that you need the electricians or the plasters exactly. are there on on the on the right days. Uh, am I right in saying about a hundred volunteers you'll need?
7: Yeah, even more so. Even Over more. generally on a normal build we look for about a hundred, eighty to a hundred, but as we said we're doing six houses so yeah, um, we definitely need a lot to kind of spread out across the six houses. So we are really crying out to anybody it doesn't have to be in Cork. If you want to come down from any other com- county around the country, you're very welcome to come down and help out. Um, we we need everybody that we can get
2: on board. And obviously the workers have to be fed. Do you do you look for caterers to help you out?
7: Yeah, so um, we need uh, bodies as well for catering and registration. So we do get on to local businesses there as well to, yeah. to kind of help us you know, drop down a curry so that we can feed them or, you know... Um, chocolate bars or drinks, yeah. that kind of thing, are always welcome as well. Um, but, yeah, it is a big feed and this one will be big, but like I said, anything that the companies a uh, catering us that can do, we, we welcome that on board as well. Okay,
2: and obviously local suppliers who might be ha- able to help out with some of what yeah, the building supplies. Suppliers, wise. joinery
7: yeah. companies, lighting yeah. companies, home accessories, because we don't only just do the skeleton of the house, we do the inside as well. So the interior, as I'm sure you've seen from other yeah. from the past series, that right. the interior is completely done as well. So this I is a brand new home.
2: From start to finish, the end result is always jaw-dropping, it, it really is. Because you mentioned landscapers, there's gardens as well, is there with the... With those terrace yeah. houses there's gardens, okay. All right so yeah, they've they, so got
7: Dermot Gavin on the team this oh, time. Oh yeah, brilliant. And he has. He's coming down to give us a hand. Um he shirts for the landscaping.
2: Okay.
7: So you can you can imagine that the gardens will be fantastic.
2: And Baz and his team are the the the, the normal team that Baz will have with him will be there as well. That, yeah, yeah,
7: the purple shirts, as we
2: called them. The purple shirts, okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so it is the 5th of, uh, I said the 14th, but it's to the 13th, the 5th to the 13th of uh, July. So, yeah. diysoscork at gmail.com. Yeah. And the phone number you had again for us?
7: Yeah, it's oh eight three zero one three nine eight.
2: Okay and where are we? We're on the 14th of June so we've less than a month to go. Okay so tradespeople, the call has gone out and you know you might have be living with somebody who is a tradesperson who's at work and not listening to the radio please tell them about them uh, but please, please tell them about what's planned uh, for Mitchistown if you can help out in any way it would be great. And Sinead keep and in... If con- they're
7: yeah? looking for any more information just head over to our Instagram page or our Facebook page and they'll have all the further details for you.
2: Okay and you keep in contact with us and And even when the build is on, if there's any way we can help you to put a shout out for anything, we'll be more than willing to, to help you out, Sinead
7: that's brilliant to listen thanks a million for I really you. appreciate it
2: Thank take you. care bye 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 that is uh, Sinead Dalton of Motive.ie who are the company making DIY SOS the team coming to Mitchellstown it will be an exciting uh, week and a half in Mitchellstown as well Anyone, I'm a f- big fan of the programme I, I imagine a lot of people are they've done amazing work but they've never quite taken on a project like this to actually renovate and do up six houses in a total it's, it's a big big part project and as I said we spoke to Bishop Paul Colton earlier in the year when the decision was made to offer these houses uh, to Ukrainians. The, the big plus about these houses being done up in Kingston Colleges is at the end when the Ukrainian refugees go home those houses then will be available uh, to local uh, people so it's a big big win for the Mitchellstown area as well. So please if you can help out or if you've watched that programme in the past and thought that's always something that you would love to have gotten involved in now you have a chance in the 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 Mitchelstown area DIY SOS Cork at gmail.com Yesterday during Annalise's slot and uh, just as it was about to be answered, somebody called and I missed the answer and the query was to has to do with long COVID and is long COVID affecting both vaccinated and unvaccinated people who have contracted uh, COVID-19 and I asked Annalise and I actually did a bit of check up yesterday myself when I came off air on it and uh, yeah, there is no long COVID is affecting both people who are vaccinated and unvaccinated it's affecting people who are very mild symptoms when they had COVID it's affecting people who were very unwell when they had COVID it's affecting people who went into hospital with COVID so there's no there's no known reason as to why somebody will suffer the effects of long COVID and why other people get COVID and I have to say myself included I got COVID I felt miserable for probably about two days and then I was smothered with what felt like a really bad sinusy head cold I sounded worse than I actually was and I was out for the week and then I came back and I was fine I was a bit exhausted I would say that tiredness was there certainly for a month and then thank God and touch wood and all of that I haven't been left with anything uh, since but that's I have a friend of mine who has been out with long COVID almost since the start she wasn't vaccinated she she works as a nurse and she picked up uh, Covid at, at her place of work and she would have gotten it just before the healthcare workers were due to get vaccinated and she got it and she was pretty bad at the time but she hasn't worked since. She's ended up with long COVID. So it completely varies. I heard of somebody else, a friend of a friend of mine who had little or no symptoms of COVID and about a month after getting COVID started developing the symptoms of long COVID and has been suffering since. So yeah, it doesn't matter whether you're vaccinated or not uh, vaccinated. 0818 103 103. We're going to take a break. We have News at 12. The lovely Garth Brooks will play out the interview in the chat I had with Garth Brooks uh, yesterday. And Joe Heflin also joins us, and we're talking about an increase in cocaine use in Ireland. And you have a chance to win a family pass—two adults, four children—to the Cork Summer Show. All coming up afternoons at twelve.
0: Cork today on C103
3: with Sean Cusack. Insurances sale. now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. Cmig.ie. You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed.
2: Cork Summer Show is back, and everyone's very excited about it being back after a two-year hiatus disappeared for two years because of the pandemic but next Saturday and Sunday the Cork Summer Show will be held for 2022. It's a family festival extensive range of activities everything ranging from show jumping to pig racing this cookery this craft demonstration trade stands and the trade stands offer everything from health wellness lifestyle and fashion products there'll also be live music every day and the children will certainly be kept entertained there's a kids zone with even a fun fair if you want to check out what's planned for the cork summer show next weekend please visit the corksummershow.com and the organizers have given us a family pass to give away every day this week Two adults and four children is what the family pass will allow entry. So, in order to win, we have a question with a summer theme. Today's question by text and WhatsApp only, by the way, and your answers on this. Name the teen horror 90s blockbuster movie with summer in the title, starring Jennifer Love Hewitt. Name the teen horror. 90s blockbuster movie, which had summer in the title, and the main star Jennifer Love Hewitt. What well known 90s movie, blockbuster movie are we? talking about. You've got to text or WhatsApp your answers please to 0862 103 103 and then we will select a winner who will win that family pass two adults, four children to go along to the summer show on either Saturday or Sunday. So get working on Movie that has the word summer somewhere in the title. What is the name of the movie, please? Now, uh, some of your texts in this is one, and I welcome the thoughts. Obviously, of farm families, farm on this particular issue. A texter says, hi Patricia, there is a tradition of feeding the silage men in farm families. Now anybody that has a, uh, has a farm will know exactly what we're talking about there. If you get workers onto the farm, cutting the silage, they might be with you for a day or two. They'll be working all day and then in the middle of the day, and I'm assuming it's in the middle of the day, you serve lunch up to all of the men that have come in to do uh, the work. And it is an old uh, tradition and it goes back, I'm right in saying, many, many years ago when it wouldn't even have been contractors. Neighbours, you know, the various men from around the different farms would have all descended on a particular farm. Everybody would help out and on that day, the farmer's wife would serve dinner for everybody and that's kind of how the tradition started. But in, in recent years now, it's contractors. So you feed the contractors on the day. Anyway, this texter is making, I think, a very valid point. That family dynamic today has changed very much in that many farmers' wives work outside of the family home. So, there isn't a farmer's wife there on the day that the contractor arrives to prepare the dinner and to serve the dinner and clean up after all of the men folk. So, it can be a struggle if the farmer's wife is working outside of the home. What happens is the farmer's wife either has to take a day's holiday and are incurring expense, ordering in dinners and then organising somebody to serve the food to the workers. So, the question being asked by this texter, should the contractor's, Still depend on the farmer to feed the workers. Are should it be the contractors and the workers themselves? Should it be their own responsibility to provide food for themselves? The listener said at the end of the day, tractors now have air conditioning, so even if it's a very warm day, they'd be fine to sit in their own tractor and eat their lunch. Also, Final point on this text is, bear in mind, it's an expensive service that the contractors provide. So you have to pay the contractor to come in and to cut the silage. And then you've got to feed the workers as well. Should that tradition be done away with and it should be up to the contractor or the workers themselves to provide their own food. Your thoughts welcomed. As I say, it is something that we're pitching very much at farm families. And how do other farm families feel? And is that listener right? With the dynamics changing, the farmer's wife isn't always available to be cooking up the big dinner for the contractors' or workers. Your thoughts welcomed on that. 081810310 uh, John Paul is taking the calls. Or you can text or WhatsApp the answer to 086 or not the answer, your thoughts, please, to oh eight six two one zero three. 103. Now we've been speaking this morning on the programme about Ukrainian refugees and the problems that the government are going to face as we head into the summer with the contracts running out for many of the hotels on the 28th of July. That means refu- Ukrainian refugees that are currently living and staying in hotels will have to vacate because the contracts will be gone and the government and the local authorities in that area are going to have to find alternative housing for them. And then we'd Ernest and Young doing some consultancy work for, for the government and doing some modelling. They're basing it on the number of refugees on a guesstimate. They're guessing that if 250 people arrived every day, what will the picture look at the end of July? Even if you lower it to one hundred and fifty people arriving every day, they're basing the modelling what would it look like at the end of August? And they're the worst case scenario, they're saying at one hundred and fifty people coming every day, by the end of August we could end up with up to almost seven hundred seven thousand Ukrainians would end up with nowhere to live and the government therefore are doing everything that they can to try to organise housing the Ukrainian refugees that are here at the moment and the ones that are, are expected to come in in the coming days and uh, weeks. And we had the Cabinet subcommittee again on Ukraine meeting yesterday to see what they can do for the for the refugees going forward. Somebody says, Patricia, why are the government bringing refugees in if there's no room? Uh, if they can't house them, why are Are they bringing them into this country? We see they're not bringing them in. Remember, refugees just arrived. That's one of the reasons why the government have no idea from one day to the next until the plane lands how many people then get off the plane and say, I'm a Ukrainian refugee, I'm looking for refuge, please. So they don't know from one day, they don't know from one week, from hour to hour even, how many people. And we know the number has fallen off. There's less and less coming in. But we still, we could still have 250 refugees arriving every day right throughout the summer months. It is possible that that could happen. So they're while they're doing their modelling and while they're trying to accommodate the people that are already here, they also have to bear in mind that there could be more arriving next week and the week after. And none of us know when this war is going to end. So it is a kind of a real headache for the government in trying to decide where and how they're going to house all of these people. And then that's led to a listener saying, look, my heart really goes out to any of those families from Ukraine that have to flee their country due to war. None of us would like to be in the situation where we would be in need of having to flee Ireland because a war broke out or we got invaded but this listener i think is something what we hear this quite a lot from people of late certainly i think in the last month in the early days of the invasion of Russia into Ukraine, there was a huge outpouring of support and compassion for the Ukrainians. But I think as the situation in this country is getting worse with our own housing issue and with now the government even saying we don't have enough spaces for the Ukrainians, more and more people are saying, what about our own Irish families who are on housing lists? Many of them are on housing lists for many, many years. We have people living on the streets, we have people living in emergency uh, accommodation it's, it feels like that our government don't want to know about our own homeless and our own Irish families who are waiting to be housed by the council, waiting to start up their own family home. And that's signed a very angry listener who feels on the next election all of the main parties are going to really suffer. And this person, this texter, feels that Sinn Féin should be given a chance to prove what they can do. I am a very angry listener because of all of this. And as I say, we are starting to see more and more of that but I go back again and we'll hear this from other listeners as well these people are fleeing a war situation until we can somehow get this war to end and I don't know what the answer is to get this war uh, to end but until we do we will have Ukrainians pouring into this country at what numbers I don't know but it is something that is just not going to be sorted and certainly not going to be solved uh, very quickly for sure. 08 18103103 John Paul's taking your calls you can text or whatsapp to 0862103103 The C103
0: Cork Diary
3: with Cork County Council delivering roads and housing community and business supports all across the county see corkcoco.ie
2: Shambhali Moor Golden Hour will happen tomorrow Wednesday morning between half past 10 and half past 11. Everyone is to come along where a warm welcome and a cup of tea awaits uh, everybody. And Turk Tidy Towns Committee are, uh, want to thank all of the businesses and the residents in the town for supporting their work. But they are asking for your continued support because we're in judging season. Please keep care of your own patch. Pick up the litter, sweep the pavement in front of your property. There'll be an open air mass on the green in Cannon Sheen's place in Mallow tomorrow, Wednesday 7pm. It's for deceased residents, family, friends and previous residents all welcome to attend. And a novena to the Sacred Heart will commence this Thursday. 16th of June and run through until Friday the 24th of June 10am to 5.30pm daily. It's at the Sacred Heart Church on the Western Road in Cork and it will be led by Father Paul Clayton Lee. And there will be bingo in Mallow GAA complex on Friday night at 8.15. The jackpot, €1,500. That's in 43 calls. All proceeds will go to the running of the juvenile and senior teams in Mallow GAA and for the upkeep of the pitches.
0: Cork Today on C103 with
3: Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale now part of McCarthy Insurance Group for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance cmig.ie
2: Stop texting and whatsapping on a Cork summer show competition I know what you did last summer. That was the name of that blockbuster movie from the uh, 90s and it was a teen uh, horror and congratulations to Margaret O'Connor on the South Douglas Road. Margaret and your family are heading off to the Cork Summer Show this weekend, a family pass for two adults and four children. And we will have more of the same to give away again tomorrow and every day this week on another summer-based question. And if you want to check out more about this year's Cork Summer Show, then go to the website, please, corksummershow.com. Now, it's now been announced that the Garth Brooks Stadium Tour at Croke Park on the 9th 10th, 11th and then 16th and 17th of September will be filmed and now that the plans around the filming like the camera positions in the stadium have all been finalised, a limited number of tickets will be released for general sale and it happens this Thursday. Yesterday I spoke with a man himself, Garth Brooks. Good morning Garth. Uh,
8: good morning Miss Patricia.
2: And you're, you're very welcome uh, to the programme, it's, it's great to have you along. How excited are you about playing Ireland
8: i i i can't even put it into words for one uh you know with what happened in 14 we never thought we were going to get to play it so just given that second chance that gift to get to play it is 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 kind of um it's hard for me to fathom but then also now after being three years out on the stadium tour to know this is how we're going to wrap up the stadium tour that that just makes it even more of an event of a lifetime for me so uh I, I know all I'm talking about is how excited I am, but that's only who I can truly speak for. And you won't find anybody, uh, fan, a band member, anybody that's more excited than me to be there.
2: And, and I imagine there would also be a kind of a, an emotion attached to it, because back in 2014, you were to start the comeback tour in Dublin. And now we know this is going to be your last stadium gigs. So you're going to be instead of, instead of starting in Dublin, you're going to be ending it in Dublin.
8: Yeah, it's. Uh, I, I will be honest. Anytime you play Ireland, it's in an emotional of anyway. Because think about my mom all the time. It was her favorite place on the planet, you know. And so I know, even though she's gone, she'll be with us, uh, you know, there. So it's it's always emotional when you go there. You know, we we went for a press conference six months ago, and I cried when I landed. It's just it's just the land of love for me. And so uh, I'm coming with the love of my life, uh, and this this is going to be a great. Uh, two weeks, uh, for our love and for us individually.
2: And can I also say, well, you know, when, you, when you talk about your late mother, we're all very emotional here at C103 because one, uh, the voice of country music, a gentleman by the name of Sean Donlan, for 30 years he presented the country and Western show here on uh, C103. Uh, and sadly, he's just passed away. And uh, so I thought it was quite ironic that today of all days on the day that Sean has been laid to rest, that I get to talk to you because he was a huge fan of yours and he loved to play your music and playing your music on radio, on you know, shows like Sean presented for 30 years. That's really important to you guys, isn't it?
8: Well, how can it not be? Because, you know, when you when you open your mouth on stage and you realize that 80,000 people are singing every syllable with you, you have to wonder, how did that happen? And it happens through country radio. That's exactly how it happened. And so you're kind of like, married to each other your brothers and sisters in arms you know they are radio is the window between the artist and the people that allow an artist to be an artist so it's a it's a it's a very beautiful thing uh country artists and country radio
2: and when you say that uh, the people sing, we, the Irish, we're known for that, aren't we, at concerts? I mean, you play you've, and you have played all over the world and, and all over America. Is there something very special about us, the Irish, knowing all the words of the songs?
8: Oh, Miss Patricia, you don't understand. It's not just singing. It's singing on pitch, in time. You breathe the same way as the records breathe. It's unbelievable. Believable, and no matter how much you try and tell people, you can see in their face they don't get it. And you don't unless you're standing there and you're just watching. It's crazy that we talk about Miss Shearwood. She had played Ireland before and understood it, but when she played Croak Park, when we played it together, you could just see it on her face. It hit her like a it hit her like a hammer. <laughs> and she's back there crying and we all were. So it's uh yeah, it's more than just singing. Whatever that is, is what you want as an entertainer.
2: And I remember last November when the tickets went on sale for the original two dates, not five, two dates. I remember at one stage like there was something like 300,000 people were in the queue and we were getting frantic calls into the radio station saying we can't get the tickets, we can't get the tickets. I mean, obviously with the time difference, you would have been in bed when all that was going on. Did you wake up to this incredible news then from Ireland?
8: Yeah, the phone rang and me and Michelle were in bed and and uh, here's the thing: I know we're all speaking the same language. I couldn't understand a word Peter Aiken was saying. <laughs> he was so excited, and and so happy for us. And so I just had to ask him, slow down, tell me again, because I thought the same as you did. I thought that there would be two or three shows, and then if those, you know, if those went, then you you could put your other two. He said all five of them are already gone. We couldn't believe it. Crying, just happy cuz you know it's not about the number of tickets it's the fact that it's actually going to happen that's the big thing here so just feel real lucky really okay. excited
2: okay and for for fans going along what a mix of what the old and the new is that what we can all expect
8: well the, the thing is you know i go to concerts as as a fan i i stand you know where my seat is and we watch a, we were just at a concert 2 months ago and my thing is, I come there to hear the old stuff. I come to a concert to sing along. And so as an entertainer, I think you're doing a huge disservice to trade a lot of the old stuff for new stuff. I say you play the old stuff, and then ask them if they're okay playing the new stuff. They're gonna let you play it. As long as you make sure you sing all those songs that they came here to hear, that's your job, that's your that's your joy, your honor. All those things as an entertainer, so don't forget, don't forget why they're
2: here, right? Well said, well said. There's nothing annoys me more than to go to a concert and you don't know any of the songs. Listen, I know you're up against the clock. Oh, honey,
8: me and you are on the same yeah, page there. Yeah.
2: Listen, I know you're up against the clock because you've got so many other people that you need to talk to. So we really appreciate you taking time out to talk to us, um, Gareth. And we're all of the countdown uh, to the stadium tour in Croke Park in September. And uh, we'll give listeners details in a moment of the limited number of tickets that will be going on sale on Thursday. But listen, it's been a real pleasure. Thank you for that. And thank Thanks for joining us.
8: Miss Patricia, I'm in love with you. Thank you for making it so much fun. You have the best day, OK? You
2: too. Dee says, Patricia, eight years ago, we just us the cowboy hats. <laughs> we did indeed. They'll be used this time for sure. And uh, Dee says, I didn't know your colleague, Sean Donnell, I'm sorry for your loss. Uh, thank you for that. And someone else, Fran in Art Patrick, Thank you, Fran, for your lovely text. And Patricia, you've just given the most fitting farewell tribute to Sean. He'd be made up to hear you and Garth Brooks Talking together about him. My heart is warm, says Fran in uh, Art Patrick. Thank you for that. And someone says, Miss Patricia, lovely interview. I'm still laughing at him calling me uh, Miss Patricia. Actually, I've just seen a, a message from uh, a friend of uh, mine. When I used to go to the States, I used to be referred to as Patty. Somebody says, I should have got him to call me Miss Patty. And just throughout the interview, he kept referring to me as Miss Patricia. Uh, Hi uh, Patricia I went to um, oh sorry I'll leave that for a moment Okay, and just on the oh just still on Garth Brooks somebody says Garth Brooks should give free tickets to the people living locally around Croke Park it's the least they deserve given the upheaval to their lives I am a fan but people are having their rights wavered in fairness that is part of the deal isn't it that the Croke Park residents will be getting tickets to go along to uh, see Garth Brooks and then they'll be able to hear (laughs) living so close they'll be able to hear each and every one of the concerts and for people who are waiting to get uh, tickets but they're calling the production holes these are the last of the tickets now that they've finalised where the cameras are going to be in place for the filming of his last ever stadium uh, tour his last five concerts will be here in uh, Ireland there's a limited number of tickets available they go on sale on this Thursday morning at 8am and it is from Ticketmaster.ie. So Ticketmaster.ie, 8am on Thursday morning. And I can to see some people said, I'll have the alarm set. Wish me luck. Uh, 0818103103. 103. And just a couple of comments in on the farm families and this was kicked off by the listener, who was saying, "Just with the dynamic and the changing of farm families, with the contractors coming in, cutting the silage, and the tradition is that the farmer's wife feeds." the workers. And this listener is making the point, not all farmers' wives are now living at home because they're out of work all day. And therefore, they either have to take a day's holidays to come home and feed the contractors and the workers, or they'll have to pay somebody to come in and get caterers to come in and bring in the food. And somebody's saying it's an expensive enough service. Should they not be providing their own food? A couple of thoughts in on that. Karen agrees. And she says, would also extend it to tradespeople. She said, many tradespeople, if they're working in your home, some feel you should be providing them with Now she said it's not all workers but she said particularly some of the older workers she said we're paying enough for their service why should we have to provide them with dinner as well she said it's okay if you're cooking dinner and there's enough in the pot but to have to specifically uh, sit down or stand up and get the food and provide it for contractors our tradespeople. she feels it's a bit unfair in this day and age somebody else completely different view says for God's sake would you feed the poor old farm contractor it's only a few days in the year we've lost a lot of our traditions already we've had two years of nothing due to COVID so it's nice to have the lunch or dinner Should lo- it'll only be for an hour and then would you have to prepare it and prepare it as well and another person says "Sideage contractors should be looking after their own food because with COVID having to feed them and bring them into your own home it surely is hardly advisable. I wonder what, was ha- what happened over the last couple of years during the height of the COVID pandemic, what happened with uh, contractors, were people, were, were people still bringing them into the house uh, to feed them? 0818 103, 103 John Paul's taking your calls. You can text, you can WhatsApp to 0862 103.
0: Court Today on C103.
3: With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CN Dot
0: I-E. This is the Court Today replay on C103.
2: And we are going to be talking about the worrying increase in the number of young people being treated for cocaine uh, mm. use. But you want to remember our own Sean Donnelly because he was a, a good I old do. friend of yours.
6: Yeah, um, I, I do indeed. Sean was a great old friend. We sang many songs, Patricia, in each other's company on many memorable occasions indeed. Um, so I would like to say uh, deepest condolences to Magella and all Sean's family and extended family. We met them all, I think, all, yeah, in Fermoy last Sunday at Sean's removal. And you could see how popular and in 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 the great esteem that Sean was held um because um there was a vast amount of people at the removal, um, right up around the block. Um and, of course, he was a top presenter. Um, I think he was about 30 years, Patricia, yeah, yeah. on C103. Yeah, yeah. and he was always helpful to and supportive of um, many artists and, and many causes. So, um, always remember you, Sean, um, uh, and... Uh, as we say, our yes, there,
2: Yeah, his likes, sir, we'll never see again, unfortunately.
6: Absolutely.
2: Unfortunately. Okay, yes. we want to uh, talk about uh, cocaine uh, use. Yes. I mean, in the line of work you're in, um, Joe, are you very worried to hear about this increase in cocaine use?
6: I am. I, I absolutely am. And, um, I mean, uh, I would have spoken with um, quite a few people who... Um, uh, had been um uh, taking cocaine and um none of them not one had a good outcome um i mean it, it didn't it didn't improve anyone's life um you know there was um there was the immediate high um which uh, right and then there was the deep 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 low with depression afterwards and as things went on the high was harder to achieve because it took more cocaine, which is the nature of an addiction. And, um, yeah, it, it, um, I, n- I never met anybody who said they were glad that they took it.
2: N- yeah, never. and I know, um, was if, I don't know if it was this week or was it, la- it was last week, I spoke with um, Michael Gearan from Cunwyrra. Oh, yeah. The addiction uh, counsellor about this um, very issue. And he was saying that when, you know, the people he's dealing with, when he starts talking to them about cocaine use, what's really uh, what, what really worries him is that many are saying they first started it when they were 15. And he said he hasn't seen that before, that they're starting to take this drug at a younger age and the availability of it. It's as easy as going and getting a can of cider.
6: Absolutely. Um, uh, It's almost unavoidable, Um, uh, you know, um, uh, its availability. Now, uh, um, yeah, uh, I I would be talking with with some people um, who would be saying, you know, that... Every pub in the country, nearly, um, uh, there'll be somebody uh, will have cocaine and um, that is readily and easily available. No, that's not to cast aspersions on any pub. Um, you can't do uh, uh, some kind of search at the door when people come in to have a few drinks. But, um, yeah, um, between 2015 and 2021, there was a tree Hundred percent increase in people presenting with problems um, uh, resulting from cocaine use. Um, a 170 percent increase in the number of young people treated for cocaine use. There was a quotation on an article I read recently, um, Garda Chief Superintendent Warning, Ireland is loaded with cocaine we will lose a generation of young people if we don't tackle it as a health issue. Um, so this is really, really, really serious. And um, the, the the side effects for society, as well as the um, user, um, you know, uh, are are huge Devastating
2: um, De- Devastating the problems we're building up uh, going forward and even though we hear of you know the Gardaí doing the best work that they could do and getting you know huge hauls of c- cocaine and heroin and getting it off the street but it, that just seems to be the tip of the iceberg for the amount that's coming into this country based on the evidence from young people to say they've no problem getting it
6: Absolutely um, last August uh, I think I read And Galdi sees 22 kilograms of heroin. Well, of course, that's a different drug now. But, I mean, it just shows the extent. Um, Cork had the biggest ever haul of heroin in July with 3 kilograms. But let us stick to what? Um, we're, we're talking about cocaine But there was I a massive, was there
2: was a massive um, cocaine haul lately but you know Mike Gearn right. was even saying it doesn't matter just, no matter how much they seem to be able to the Garda can, can get their hands on it just seems to be the tip of the iceberg for the amount that's coming into this country
6: Absolutely and um, I mean the, uh, the effects are far reaching um, I was reading an article um, quoting the uh, Family Addiction Support Network uh, F-A-S-N um, that um, you know families were being threatened and indeed attacked because of drug deaths of a family member um, uh it was frightening to read it um, you know uh, oh, scary stuff um, you know there was one incident of a pipe bomb under a car and um, it's uh, it's it's really it's really crazy, um, uh, and uh, there was a guy now that you mentioned, Convera Brewery, um, an excellent, excellent treatment centre. Um, there was a guy on the Tonight Show um, uh, the other night, uh, a lad called Connor. Well, he was an absolute pleasure to listen to. He was three years now um, uh, clean and sober, and. Um, You know, he was saying that he finished up like kind of sitting in a room uh, just using cocaine all day, not to be getting high anymore, but just to stay somewhere normal Mm -hmm. and not to be having hallucinations and not to be having, um, you know, paranoia, etc. And he said that um, eventually... um, uh, he, he went to Coenverro Brewery, and uh, and he got uh, clean and sober, and uh, he was three years. And of all the people on the show, um, whether politicians or commentators or whatever, he made the most sense of all because, you know, he was saying, like, been there, done that, and that it's possible to pull out of the downward spiral
2: but we need and more treatment centers because Convera along with all of the other treatment centers have massive waiting lists
6: yeah yeah it's like that guard chief superintendent said like if we don't tackle it as a health issue um we will lose a generation of young people it's um, it's 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 really 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 big I mean, in the old days, um, uh, our main uh, drug of uh, choice, as it were, was alcohol. But now things have got out of hand. Although um, that wonderful organisation, uh recently had an advertising drive uh, headed uh, "Drink is a drug," and I suppose we should remember that too. But um, where where people, where young people, might have started to have a drink at 14 or 15 they're now using drugs yeah. especially cocaine at those kind of ages it's absolutely amazing
2: and there was uh, a time co- cocaine in this country it was almost known as the certainly back in the Celtic Tiger times it was like the Richmond's drug and it yeah. was a recreational drug and it was only used on the weekends and we we've moved a long way from it being used recreationally when we're hearing of young people who end up needing Help, absolutely,
6: with their and I I, I I find the term recreational drug use to be, you know, it's a complete misnomer.
2: Yeah.
6: Um, you know, it, it's the same old thing with with any addiction. It starts off in in a small way, and uh, it's only Friday night and Saturday night, and then Thursday night gets included, or Monday night, and uh, and you know, um, a person then can finish up. Um, and I've met people. Uh, totally addicted and in real bad trouble, um, uh, and and needing help. Um, it helps to come and talk to someone. Um, uh, say the IACP um, has a list of counsellors covering every nook and cranny of the country. Um, if if a person looks up IACP.ie ie and uh, clicks on Find a Counsellor they'll probably find someone within 20 minutes of their front door. And um, it's, uh, it's it's you know, that's the first thing is to admit I have a problem and then to go and talk to someone about that problem. And if the one-to-one isn't, um, you know, sufficient for where the person is at, well, then they probably, definitely would get referred to one of the um, treatment centres. Yeah, uh, but, like it, but
2: in the meantime, while people are waiting to go into treatment centres are for people who are not at that stage yet. Once they can identify that they've got a problem, go and get help. You know, the, talking to somebody like, like yourself or somebody in your profession might just be what they need to get, Absolutely. Them off, to get them off it before it gets to the stage that they yeah. would need to be admitted for treatment.
6: Yeah, and as that lad Connor said the other night on, on that television show, um, you know, eh, if, if you haven't started, don't start. And if you have started, do something about it. And um, before it escalates into a real bad problem, as I say, I've never met anyone never, who said it was a good idea. Um, Anyone I've ever met who was, uh, you know, having a problem with cocaine were very sorry that they ever, ever started the first day. Um, But it is, um, you know, recovery is possible. And I suppose the main... Thrust of our talk today would be if you haven't started, don't start. Yeah. And if you have started, stop. Um, do something about it. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Stop yeah. and stop before you get into that uh, yeah. cycle of needing more and needing more. And cocaine yeah. does kill.
6: Absolutely. I mean, um, heart attacks, stroke, these have all been um, recorded as. Um, uh, results of cocaine use you, you hear about people who's um, uh, on, on, a, on a slightly lesser scale where the septum uh, in their nose is gone um, you know they have um, uh, they're not sleeping well um, they have um, uh, you know anger problems anxiety, paranoia, depression Um, And that's not really, when you read out that list, they are kind of... That's um, not fun. It's not something that you should be signing on for. Yeah. No, no. It certainly is not.
2: Yeah, and then as you say, the the long-term effects, it can lead to uh, heart attack, kidney failure, brain damage. It's just, yeah, yeah, it's bad, bad news uh, for sure. Okay, listen, uh, Joe, as always, thank you for that. Uh, We'll chat again next week. In the meantime, though, thanks for joining us today. Thank you Patricia. Good afternoon to you bye bye That is Joe Heffernan. Joe runs a counseling practice in Bui. His number is o eight six eight three four eight one four five oh eight six Eight three four eight one four five, And that's where I wrap it up for today. A reminder to you, we have another one of those family passes to give away for the core show tomorrow. And tomorrow is expected weather wise to be a nice bright day. So we'll have Peter Dowdall answering all of your gardening questions as well tomorrow. You can get them in uh, from 10 tomorrow. Now, Nick Richards is with you for the afternoon. My thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing. And until tomorrow morning at 10, I'm Patricia Messenger. Have a Very good afternoon and stay safe.
0: Court today on C103. With Sean
3: Cusack Insurances Can Sale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. See MIG.ie.